Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you, dear ones? I pray that you're well, always. Um, All manner of things, our Lord said to St. Julian of Norwich, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well, and it shall be, dear ones. It shall be well with us, too. The world is getting more evil every day. I have no clue that it's going to get better. Not now. But Our Lady's Immaculate Heart will triumph. She has let us know that. It's a sure thing. Um, And we are His. If we are baptized and we are part of our Lord's Church, um, all things will be well. But we need now. What's wrong with the world, dear ones? is us, is us individually, even us collectively as Catholics are greatly responsible for the mess in the world today because we alone in numbers, had we lived our faith, had the power to uh, not put into place um, the evil president uh, presidents that we have had and uh, the president's doing evil um, I should say, and um, and many of the people that have voted into office, uh, it's the Catholic vote that got them there. So it may not have been your vote or my vote, but we are a people of God, and we are responsible as a people of God that what we do represents um, our Catholic faith and represents the God who established the Catholic Church, his kingdom of God on earth for us. So we now, it's never too late to reform. It's never too late to change. Um, It's never too late to live, as I often say, as if it is true. If we live as if it is true, we will stand out in the world. We may be persecuted for it, but we also may... uh, save a number of lives by our life because we have what the whole world needs. We are the most privileged people on earth. We have what the entire world needs. So we have been reading during this Lenten season not to focus on all that's going on in the world, but to focus on transforming our own individual lives during this Lenten season especially. And so we have been reading through uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen's Victory over vice. We can have victory over vice. We can, beloved. And um, and why this is it in the way today? Um, And Bishop Sheen has said that it was our Lord's, uh, it was the seven uh, deadly sins um, that put our Lord on the cross. And so with our Lord's seven last words, Bishop Sheen, Archbishop Sheen, has matched one deadly sin with each of our Lord's last words on the cross. And we are uh, right in the middle of our Lord's third word on the cross. Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. And Bishop Sheen has attached the deadly sin of lust to that. And um, 
uh, we've already read through a little more than half of this little chapter, so I won't repeat it. Um, just the definition that lust is an inordinate love of the pleasures of the flesh. Um, and I'll just read that first paragraph. The important word here is inordinate, for it was Almighty God Himself who associated pleasure with the flesh. He attached pleasure to eating in order that we might not be remiss in nourishing and preserving our individual lives. He, he associated pleasure with the marital act in order that husband and wife might not be remiss in their social obligations to propagate mankind and raise children for the kingdom of God. The pleasure becomes sinful at that point wherein instead of using it as a means, we begin to use it as an end. To eat for the sake of eating is a sin because eating is a means to an end, which is health and so forth. Lust in like manner is selfishness or perverted love. It looks not so much to the good of the other as to the pleasure of self. It breaks the glass that holds the wine. It breaks the lute to snare the music. It subordinates the other to self for the sake of pleasure. Denying the quality of otherness, it seeks to make the other person care for us, but not make us care for the other person. And I said yesterday, and I'll say again, forever and ever and ever, if you're a young woman dating, and um, any man ever says to you, if you really loved me, you would do this or do that in sexual pleasure, you know that that man does not love you. Because love doesn't seek to destroy, it seeks the other's good. And to have any intimacy outside of marriage uh, puts one on the road to hell. It doesn't do the other good. It breaks the virginity that's reserved for marriage. So uh, it could be the other way around. A man dating a young woman who wants to have the pleasure of marriage outside of marriage. That is straight evil. And if she says it, she does not love you. She loves herself. She loves pleasure. So, um, let me just go back now and read where we left off. The balance and equilibrium equilibrium of the whole system um, is disturbed when an organ is isolated from its function in the whole organism or divorced from its higher purpose. People who are always talking, reading, and thinking about sex are like singers who think more about their larynx than about singing. They make that which is subordinate to a higher purpose so all-important that the harmony of life is upset. But suppose that instead of consecrating on an organ, one fitted that organ into a pattern of living. Then all the uneasiness would end. The skilled orator never feels his hands are awkward because being enthused about the speech, 
by um, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble here. He makes his hands subordinate to the higher purpose. Our Lord practically said the same thing. Be not solicitous what you shall eat. So it is with the flesh. Cultivate a higher love, a purpose of living, a goal of existence, a desire to correspond to all that God wants us to be. And the lower passion will be absorbed by it. The church applies this psychology to the vow of chastity. The church asks her priests and nuns to surrender even to the lawful pleasures of the flesh, not because she does not wish them, does not want them to love, but because she wants them to love better. She knows that their love for souls will be greater as their love for the flesh is less, just as our Lord died on the cross for men because he loved his own life less. Now I'm going to go on with this, but I want to mention that all of us, single or married, every soul is called to chastity. Regardless if we're priests, we're nuns, we're single or we're married, We're called to chastity, that is, to be chaste, to live our vocation in life. Chastity does not mean abstinence. It does not mean uh, celibacy. Priests and nuns are called to celibacy. Um, But also married people and single people are called as well to chastity, that is, to spend your life being chaste if you're married to be chased to one spouse and not have eyes for another. Now must it be thought that the vow of not, excuse me, nor must it be thought that the vow of chastity is a burden. Thompson has called it a passionless passion, a wild tranquility, and so it is. A new passion is born within the vow of chastity, the passion for the love of God. It is the consolation of that higher love which makes the surrender to the lower love so easy. And only when that higher love is lost does the vow begin to be a burden. Just as honesty becomes a burden only to those who have lost the sense of others' rights. There's our music, beloved, for our first break. I think we can finish this. We're, we're almost at the end. Um, at the second break, and then at the half-hour break, we will um, take your calls, your texts, your emails, call in with anything on your heart, dear ones. Doesn't have to be this subject. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Podcasts of our network-produced shows are free for your listening pleasure at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so thrilled to be with you. We are right in the middle of a a, a chapter on lust uh, that Archbishop Fulton Sheen has matched with the third word of our Lord from the cross, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. Um, and he has attached the deadly sin of lust to that one deadly sin for each of our Lord's last words on the cross since Archbishop Sheen said that it was the seven deadly sins that put our Lord on the cross. So we're going to continue now. It must... um, Let me see now. Here I go. The reason there is a degeneration in the moral order and a decay of decency is because men and women have lost the higher love, ignoring Christ their Savior, who loved them unto the death on Calvary, and Mary, who loved them unto becoming queen of martyrs beneath that cross, They have nothing for which to make the sacrifice because they've ignored them. The only way love can be shown in this world is by sacrifice, namely the surrender of one thing for another. Love is essentially bound up with choice, and choice is a negation, and negation is a sacrifice. 
when a young man sees his heart, seizes his heart, no, sorry, when a young man sets his heart upon a young woman and asks her to marry him, he is not only saying, I choose you, he is also saying, I do not choose, I reject all others, I give them all up for you. Apply this to the problem of lust. Take away all love above the flesh. Take away God, the crucifix, the sorrowful mother, salvation, eternal happiness. And what possibility is there for choice? What is to be gained by denying the imperious and revolutionary demands of the flesh? But grant the divine... And the flesh's greatest joy is to throw itself on the altar of the one loved, where it counts its sorrow a cheap price for the blissful joy of giving. Then its greatest despair is not to be needed. Its love's greatest despair is not to be needed. It could almost find in its heart to inflict a wound that it might bind and heal. Such is the attitude of the pure. They have integrated their flesh with the divine. They have sublimated its cravings with the cross. Having a higher love, they now make the surrender of the lower so that their mother may never be put to shame. Mary is the refuge of sinners. She who is the virgin most pure is also the refuge of sinners. She knows what sin is, not by the experience of its falls, not by tasting it, its bitter regrets, but by seeing what it did to her divine son. She looked upon his torn and bleeding flesh, hanging from him like rays of a purple sunset, And she came to know how much flesh sinned by seeing what his flesh suffered. What better way in all the world was there to measure the, the, excuse me, what better way in all the world was there to measure the heinousness of sin than by seeing when left alone with him for three hours what it would do to innocence and purity capital I, capital P. She is the refuge of sinners, not only because she knows sin through Calvary, but also because she chose, during the most terrifying hours of her life, a converted sinner as her companion. The measure of our appreciation of friends is our desire to have them around us in the moment of our greatest need. Mary heard Jesus say, the harlots and publicans will enter the kingdom of heaven before the scribes and Pharisees. So she chose the absolved harlot Magdalene as her companion at the cross. What the scandal mongers of that day must have said when they saw our blessed mother in the company of a woman who everyone knew was the kind who sold her body without giving away her soul. Magdalene knew that day why Mary is the refuge of sinners, and certainly our day too can learn that if she had Magdalene as a companion, 
then she, Mary, is willing to have us as a companion now. Mary's purity is not a holier-than-thou purity, a standoffish holiness that gathers up its robes, lest they be stained by the sinful, nor is it a despising purity that looks down upon the impure. Rather, it is a radiating purity that is no more spoiled by solicitude for the fallen than a ray of sun is sullied by a dirty window pane through which it pours. There is no reason for the fallen to be discouraged. Hope is the message of Golgotha. Find a higher love than the flesh, a love pure, understanding, and redeeming, and the struggle will be easy. But that higher love is on the cross and beneath it. We almost seem to forget there is a cross at all. He begins to look more like a red rose, and she begins to look like the stem. That stem reaches down from Calvary into all our wounded hearts, all our wounded hearts of earth, sucking up our prayers and petitions and conveying them to him. That is why roses have thorns in this life, to keep away every disturbing influence that might destroy our union with Jesus and Mary. Archbishop um, Sheen's chapters end each time with a sort of a poem, and this one says, If Christ should come on earth some summer day and walk unknown upon our busy street, I wonder how t'would be if we should meet and being God, if he would act that way. Perhaps the kindest thing that he would do would be just to forget I failed to pray and clasp my hand forgivingly and say, my child, I've heard my mother speak of you. Isn't that beautiful? I've heard my mother speak of you. This is just so beautiful, beloved. You should get a copy of this book, Victory Over Vice, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and read it during Lent, published by Sophia Institute Press. It's very, very beautiful. Tomorrow's word from the cross is, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What Deadly sin, do you think Archbishop Fulton Sheen associated with that fourth word from the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We have already covered anger, envy, and lust. We have covetousness, pride, sloth, gluttony. Which of those four would you associate with my God, my God? Why hast thou forsaken me? I'll tell you tomorrow. And we'll read that chapter from Matthew 17. Matthew 27, our Lord's on the cross. Unbelievable that God was forsaken by God. 
Dear ones, if your deadly sin has been lost, if you have lived the life of Mary Magdalene, if you have been a man that has grown up with disrespect for women and treated them like garbage, um, or you are a woman who so needs love that you need a man to prove his love for you by taking you to bed, that is not love. In neither case, it is not love. It is lust. And it will destroy you. And if that's the life you've led, it probably already has, excuse me, made some inroads of destruction into your life. It is never too late, beloved. It is never too late to be forgiven to be restored, to be made new. The scriptures say if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it, with how many people you've done it. Our Lord died on the cross 2,000 years ago before you were born for every single sin you would commit. It's already paid for. It's a gift. Faith, life, eternal life, forgiveness is a gift. But you need to come for it. You need to ask for it. You need to come before God and say, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I have done these things, Father. I am. And I ask your forgiveness. Do I deserve your forgiveness? I do not. So why do I dare to ask for it? Because Our Lord paid the price that was ours. He paid, already paid the price. I think of it, the simplest, really stupid example, I think of New York subways where we need tokens to go in. And I was going in once and a gentleman, I was in my full habit in the subway of New York and and a gentleman went ahead of me and put a token in for me so I could walk through. Very lovely gesture. Do I need to put another token in to take the train? No, it's already paid. And my sin is already paid, beloved. Your sin has already been paid for, no matter how heinous, no matter how many times, no matter how awful a creature you have been. It's paid for. But you need to receive it. You need to receive it. Faith is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You'll never be good enough for it. You're a sinner. From beginning to end, so am I. So are all of us born into original sin. We enter the world that way. And if we leave the world that way, we'll be separated from God for all eternity. But he came and he died for the sin that separated us from God. And he opened heaven and rose. And all we need to do, like the thief on the cross, is say, Lord, I'm dying for what? crimes I did, but you're innocent. Receive me today when you come into paradise. Forgive my sins, dear Lord. Come to him as a poor beggar. You will be forgiven and on your way to heaven, either on earth or in paradise. Don't delay that, beloved. It's never, ever, ever, ever too late to ask for forgiveness, to receive God's love, and to receive all of life this side of heaven. 
We'll be right back. Call in with anything on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483. The iCatholic Radio Mobile app is two apps in one. Your place to hear great Catholic programs and music. Here's what listeners are saying about the updated iCatholic Radio Mobile app. Through the iCatholic Radio app, I have listened to the sermons and teachings several times. The effect has been a deeper understanding of my faith and Catholic tradition. This app has truly been a blessing in my life and has increased my faith. With the new app, you can choose to listen to our programs like Mother Miriam Live or The Catholic Current whenever you like. But you can also switch over to the best in contemporary music by Catholic artists. We even bring you hours of Gregorian chant every Sunday morning. If you do not currently have our app, download it to your iPhone through the Apple Store or to your Android phone by going to Google Play and searching iCatholic Radio. The updated iCatholic Radio mobile app, your one stop for great Catholic programs and music. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together, a half hour that I love uh, for you to call in or write with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 or email at mother at And this is always the time I'm reminded to tell you about lifefunder.com, which LifeSite News so graciously set up for us here in Beloit to raise the funds we need for a new home, which we now have, but we need to do quite a bit of work in it, and the work has started. Um, life, um, uh, LifeSite has set up LifeFunder, just as it sounds, life, L-I-F-E-F-U-N-D-E-R.com, forward slash, then the initials of our community, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, D for Daughters, O-M-M-O-I-H. And... Um, uh, for anyone who wishes to contribute, and um, I'm, the the goal is two hundred thousand. I think we're, I don't know if we're uh, 
somewhere, I have to look, I haven't looked at it, but um, I think yesterday it was somewhere in the 30s with uh, 20 some odd days to go, 30% to 30 something percent. Uh, I'll have to look again. But um, two things. Um, uh, we, uh, I've mentioned before, and we have women calling. There's no way we could take any more women at the moment. We're looking, uh, we, we are looking for a much larger house which we could take more women while we build a little monastery. So, um, eventually we're going to need a lot more. So if we meet this goal or go over it, every single penny will be used, um, for the house for women to come in. And, you know, um, we take all ages. We take 18 to 118. And I always say if you're 119 but you can keep the rule, uh, we'll make an exception. We do like to keep a balance of ages. If you go into an order that's been established for 50 or 100 years, you will have all ages. It's very, very healthy. So um, we do have all ages. We are uh, currently from uh, 20 into our 70s. And so every age in between. And you are welcome to uh, go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, and um, sign up for our newsletter if you wish, uh, and then just pre- um, click the contact button and you'll get our email um, and even our temporary address in Beloit. So I, I uh, welcome you to do that. Um, but every penny that you contribute to Life Funder is every single penny is spent toward these, this new home. And um, I just want to give a big hug to everybody who has contributed. I mentioned to you I look once a day. I haven't looked today yet. But um, I read every, I can't answer you all. I think there's over 500 people already that have contributed um, uh, to what we already have. Um, And I I know we're well over 30% of the goal, and I have to look today. But I hug all of you. Every time I read your messages, it could just be two words. I pray for you, and um, I'm just so grateful. So we are going to go now to our email from that we have from Amalia. It's a bit lengthy. I've skimmed it a bit, and I think that it's worth reading because I think Amalia is not alone. <clears throat> the topic of abortion, she says, has weighed heavily on my heart and in my mind and has caused me tremendous anxiety as well as depression for many years and continues to do so. I am going to briefly explain my situation that I have been dealing with for far too long. I had a miscarriage at age 16. When I was 17 and a half years old, I was pregnant. When I was about five months pregnant and beginning to show, my parents threw me out of the house. By the way, my father was an Italian ex-Roman Catholic Monsignore and had lived a very disciplined life prior to leaving the order to marry my mother in Mexico, where he had been assigned to lead a church. I was lucky that I was able to live at my boyfriend's parents' house. However, a month later, on my 18th birthday, I signed myself into St. Anne's Maternity Home in Los Angeles, California. 
I felt alone, but so very blessed to have all the counseling support, medical support, housing, healthy meals, baby classes, Bible study, church services, continuing education, etc., while I resided there. Boy, that sounds... I tell you, I crossed the ocean to go to St. Anne's Maternity Home for a place like that. How wonderful. She said, from what I have seen online, they have expanded and now offer many more services to pregnant women. After giving birth to my daughter, I moved back in with my boyfriend's parents. To make this story short, we had another daughter less than two years later. Between my second daughter and my son, who was born seven years later, I had two abortions at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. Shame on that hospital. Shame on them. I did not want to terminate my pregnancies, but I was young, and my boyfriend, the same one of all my pregnancies and children, insisted and convinced me to do so because it would be too much financially for us and too difficult to raise any more children. I reluctantly agreed, knowing full well that I was committing murder and going against my Catholic upbringing and beliefs by committing mortal sins." I was devastated and so incredibly heartbroken after each of the two abortions that it caused me so much grief, pain, and guilt that I became depressed and eventually succumbed to severe anxiety. The anxiety did not come until later when it hit me like a ton of bricks. By the time I was pregnant with my son, I could not go through another abortion. I refused to end another life. The severe anxiety hit me when my son was in first grade, and it was incredibly challenging, and I suffered tremendously, mentally, emotionally, and even physically. I wish some people from Planned Parenting were listening to this, to know that the anguish, the devastation, the destruction you cause in the lives of young women whose babies you murder. She continues, to say the least, my boyfriend at the time, who later became my husband through a court process, was never phased by the fact that we aborted two babies. I cried for a long time every time I saw a baby or even mentioned what I had done to anyone. I still cry about it when I bring it up. I thought that I would never go to heaven when I die, and the guilt, the grief, and the pain was enormous. I am crying right now typing this email. I still get emotional when I think of what I did, and not just once, but twice. I honestly thought that God would never forgive me for the heinous acts I committed on two innocent unborn children who were defenseless in my womb and for whom I owed a chance to live. I had no right to silence them, and I am tormented daily by my acts. I still suffer and wonder whether the babies were male or female and what they would look like today. The father of those two babies who should have been born Let me see this again. The father of those two babies who should have been born 
of the two babies who should have been born, had no remorse or thought about it, and to this day has never felt any remorse. It is an act that, or they are acts that should affect both parties involved. You're right, Amalia, you're right, both parties. Ultimately, I had the last say because it was my body and the baby was inside of me. I wish I could go back and reverse it, but I cannot. Amalia, you speak for, I would say, most women who have aborted their babies. In time, everyone suffers. Everyone realizes in time what they've done, and they grieve for the babies, and they grieve for what they had a choice to not do, and they did. You're not alone. And yes, we would we would all give whatever we could to reverse the choices we've made in the past, but we cannot. Amalia goes on to say, I've confessed these two abortions to several Catholic priests over the years, and they tell me I have been absolved of my sins. They have told me that God has forgiven me of these two mortal sins and that I do not have to keep confessing these sins. I guess I just have never forgiven myself, and I am not sure that I ever will. Amalia, um, King David, when he wrote Psalm 51, um, had um, uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and the baby born from that union died. They weren't married either, and the baby died. And David wrote Psalm 51, Create me a clean heart, O God, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. And he also, he also suffered from the death of that baby who he had, not out of wedlock only, but in adultery uh, with another man's wife. Um, but David said to God, against thee, the only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. He knows he killed the baby. He knows he was responsible for the death of that baby. He knows that. But the main thing he said Not that he would forgive himself, but that God would forgive him because it's against God that we sin. Sweetheart, it's God that needs to forgive us. Um, It is God against whom we have sinned. And the issue, so I know forgiving ourselves, sweetheart, is um, well talked about. I don't personally fully understand it Um, because... Um, there have been sins that I've committed that I've had a very hard time getting over. But when I think about forgiving myself, my reaction is, who am I? I'm not God to forgive me. It is God who needs to forgive me. So when people talk about forgiving themselves, I think, dear one, the greater issue is accepting God's forgiveness. I think that's what it is. We need to accept that we're sinners And we need to have the humility to accept that we could commit such crimes, but that we've committed them against God. And if God has forgiven us, who are we to not receive his forgiveness? Are we God? Are we higher than him? Are we holier than him? That's ridiculous. Of course we're not. So, sweetheart, it's not a matter of your being able to forgive yourself. You never will if that's the case. You never will. You'll never be able to say to yourself, it's all right. 
What you need to do is say, Lord, I am a sinner. You know that. And you have died on the cross to forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. I believe I'm forgiven. I feel awful about those uh, abortions. I will the rest of my life, Lord. But I trust your forgiveness and I receive it. She says, um, I have confessed these two abortions to several. I do not have to... No, we read that. She said, can I, we, be forgiven of the mortal sins of committing abortions if we are truly remorseful and have asked for God's forgiveness through priests, through confession, and also by asking God directly for his forgiveness? A thousand times yes, but there's something more that I need uh, to suggest that you do if you haven't already done it. And those priests should have done it or asked you to do it. Um, And I'm going to mention that as soon as we come back from the break. It's very, very, very important. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, Amalia, I hope you're listening or that you'll continue to listen after the break. And anyone else can write in or call in with anything on your heart toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations Thank you for helping to save the culture. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. It just really connected me to my faith. I always considered myself 100% Catholic, but didn't really realize that I wasn't fully practicing my faith, so I learned so much through the Station of the Cross and began just getting deeper in my prayers and feeling just so much closer to God and so well-versed in learning more about the Bible and more about what actually it means to be Catholic. So it became very, very important to me, and I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I make it a regular practice of donating every time they have their their fundraising and just love it and wouldn't want it to ever go away. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, This is our last segment, so again, you're free to call in. Our lines are wide open with anything on your heart. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have just read through a lengthy email from Amalia um, who wrote in that she's had um, uh, two abortions Two children before the abortion, the two abortions, and one child following. So she has three children, and they were all with her boyfriend living at his parents' house. And at one point, Amalia said that um, her boyfriend um, later became her husband through a court process. Um, Amalia, uh, you... uh, if if priests have forgiven you, you are forgiven, dear one. However, you said nothing about your coming back into the church. Um, if you're Catholic, being married through the court does not make you married in the eyes of God. You are legally married, but you are not married through the church in the eyes of God. You don't have the sacrament of marriage if you've never been married in the church so maybe you are and you've just left that out of the email but i think it'll be much better for you well no i know it'll be better for you if you come back into the church um and i don't know if your husband's catholic um uh, or if he's baptized but if you're if both of you can go to confession and your husband can be received into the church and you also can be um, married in the church, and your civil marriage would be raised to that of a sacrament, then God would do a work in your husband's heart, I believe. And he would be, hopefully, like those in the book of Acts, cut to the heart of the crime that he committed by allowing his child as well to be murdered. I think you need to be together. If you're living outside of a church marriage, you're living in the eyes of God, dear one, in fornication. You don't want to do that. You want to be fully back in the church. You want to be receiving the sacraments, which you cannot do apart from being married in the church unless you live as brother and sister. So I don't want to put more burdens on you. But I think if you're living in fornication, if you're living outside of the church uh, in intimacy and uh, your husband is not Catholic um, and so forth, you, um, I think your problems are going to remain. I think you both need to be Catholic. You need to have your marriage raised to a sacrament and your uh, civil husband needs to repent and give his life to God. And then you can pray together and believe you have two children that are praying for you uh, that you've not met. Um, I think the story, it has to be complete, Amalia, not for you to continue to live, be living with a husband who does not believe 
and who is not practicing his faith. You need to go to church as a family, but you must be married in the church. If that all has taken place, I'd love you to write in or call in and let me know. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, I would like to know what exactly an oblate is or does. Would you kindly explain this? Um, Oblate comes from the word oblation. An oblation is an offering. It's a sacrifice. It could be an animal offering. It could be an offering of our whole lives. And many religious orders, such as Carmel, uh, Dominicans, Carmelite, and others, Franciscans, have third orders, tertiary, I think they call them. Pardon me. The Benedictines are oblates. That's a third order. It's the same sort of thing, to give your life as an oblation, to be part. When you're an oblate, you are... Uh, you've become a third order, a part of a religious order who you want to adopt or they to adopt you because you appreciate their life, their rule of life, their charism in the world, and you want to be part of them, but as a lay person. And so you pretty much, they send you all the materials so you can follow the rule, but according to your lifestyle. So for example, our oblates, we have many oblates, singles, uh, married couples, whole families, and all over the world, because you can do this anywhere. You do not have to come presently uh, to where we are. Um, And... um, we send you everything. And so if we pray the rosary every day, which we do, um, it would be a good thing for you to pray the rosary every day, but you're not obligated to. You can start by praying one decade with your family a day. One decade a week is better than not at all. So, and you follow the rule. We give you the rule for oblates, which is for lay persons. So you live the rule of St. Benedict for lay people, but according to your state in life. Some people can follow it completely. Some people can spend 15 minutes a day. It's according to your lifestyle. And if you're a family, it gives you um, a form of formation. Uh, There's a security in that, a rule of life. And, And there's no pain of sin if you fail. Nothing at all. If we fail because we're under vows, there is sin, but none at all for you. So it's a process You also begin as a candidate, and you become a novice, and then you take promises. And it's a process that takes as long as you wish it to take. Um, So um, I would say, dear one, go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, and you will see Mary's oblates. (laughs) It's Benedictine oblates of the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, that we shortened to Mary's oblates. We're Mary's daughters, you're Mary's oblates. And you can download uh, the form to um, application to become an oblate, and you can um, you can download and or read all of our newsletters so far. We've had four. We have number one, number two, number three, and then the fourth newsletter was three newsletters combined into one. And we have not put out a newsletter for a few months now. So if you're an oblate and you're listening, forgive us. We've just had too much going on. The last newsletter we put out at all was our Christmas newsletter, and it also went to the oblates, but there weren't 
special pages for oblates in there. So um, we're keeping the oblates up on everything, but we have a lot more to give that specific to the oblates to help them live this life at home. Um, so go ahead. It's all free. There's no charge. Uh, we do have an oblate commentary that you can purchase. Um, it's a $35 commentary that we're able to offer you for $20. If you wish to receive that and become an oblate, go to Mary's Oblates on our website, download the form. It's only one page, and you can fill it out and submit your check for the book, and we'll get everything in the mail to you, including a blessed um, um, uh, medal of, of uh, St. Benedict. So, um, oh, my goodness, there's so much more to say, and I see we have a half a minute left to our closing music, but I just wanted to take this time to say to all the Oblates, um, God bless you. We have you. If you've written in and you haven't received anything yet, it's just because we've been in transition. We still need yet to go back to Tulsa when our house is ready to move in and bring our furniture here. And uh, then we'll get everything organized and, um, and, and be on board. I've already started our next newsletter, so we're doing it, but just a little slower now through the mails until we get settled. I bless you all. God bless you. Um, for all those who have contributed, I ask God to bless you a thousandfold. For all those who have asked our prayers, know that you are prayed for. And every one of you through LifeSite News, Station of the Cross, every means, we pray for you all every single day. And we bless God for you. We'll speak with you tomorrow. God bless you.